Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Chasing After the Wind series, where Dr. Jones teaches through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, and we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life He provides. Now let's join him for today's message. I'm invite you to turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. It can sound bleak. You're reading through this and you're hearing all these sayings and these wise observations and how all these things continue to be, starting from chapter 1, all these things that the world tells us to chase after is futile. It's like a vapor. It's transitory. It's temporal. It really means at the end of the day, nothing. And today, we get some insight in what I like to call a wise view of wealth. A wise view of wealth because we are, as a culture, fixated on more. And he starts off in here with this Discussion on those leaders over peoples who misuse and abuse the resources, power, and wealth that they have. Starting in verse 8, he says something. He says, if you see oppression of the poor and perversion of justice and righteousness in the province, don't be astonished at the situation. And he goes on to say, because they... Leaders take care of each other. They scratch each other's back. And he says, don't be astonished because this is how things go. And one thing we've noticed in Ecclesiastes is how he keeps making this reference under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. What it's stating, remember, is human affairs. Just in the nature of human affairs, that is godless. When God is left out, how naturally things go we live in a sinful fallen world we all have a sin nature and without God it is a run amok so as we observe that which happens just in human endeavors we see that when this wealth becomes God that's the only thing that matters so when it comes to righteousness justice holiness mm -mm, mm -mm, we got to keep it and they're willing to do whatever they need to, to keep it. He says, we cannot let this happen within ourselves. I, I say that because, I'll give the example of the politician. I, I've noticed a lot, of, a lot of them, they start out, they mean well. They mean well, leaders. You know, and we're, we're talking about you know, elected officials. You think about back in even high school, when you were voting for student council presidents and vice presidents, they had a lot of good ideas. They wanted to help stuff. Then all of a sudden, something changed. It's like, hold on. Now, there are some that stay the course and do what's right and do what's just, and they, they, they act in righteousness. And that is God's intention. But 
when it's all about position, when it's all about resources, when it's all about taking care of one another that's in leadership, when he, he makes this statement, the prophet of the land is taken by all and the king is served by the field. What's interesting, that Hebrew in there is, 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 is a little confusing. And it's saying like, look, when you think about Government, government in itself isn't bad, but its intention is to look over the well-being and the welfare of its people. When it becomes only about serving those in leadership, that's when things have gotten off kilter. And the government is supposed to be making sure the resources get to where they're supposed to go so that the welfare of the community is taken care of and not just feeding the leaders. But when we let wealth corrupt, and the reason it corrupts is because we misunderstand it. What did he say? He says here, the one who loves money is never satisfied. The one who loves it. Now, now this, this, this is what's interesting about that. Um, I said this before. Oftentimes, um, when, we, when we, we see this word love, we, we, automatically, we automatically think about an emotion. We automatically think about emotion. But, but, but here it's not just talking about an emotion. It's speaking more so on a fixation and it's used as a verb here. It's, it's, it's action, meaning it's, it's carrying this connotation here of one who places wealth and money first. They serve money. They serve wealth. In doing so, never satisfied. That appetite is never satisfied. It's constant. You know, some of us, we think, man, if I just had, if, if I just had a look, they give me just a little bit of a raise, everything would be good. Everything would be good. Then you're on the job for a little while, you get that, and you find out that, that ain't enough. Look, let me tell you something. It's all about perspective. If you think there's going to be this bottom line, okay, we made it. Let me tell you something. When you get it, you're going to find out, mm, that ain't it yet. And this is what he's getting at. He says, the one that loves it, it's never satisfied. You love silver, you're never satisfied with it. You love gold, you're never satisfied with it. And you will serve it. And this is where the corruption comes because you'll be doing whatever it takes to get it. You'll be willing to lie for it. You'll steal for it. Some people even kill for it. Take advantage, abuse for it. Well, because that, that's what you serve. That's your heart's desire. He says, do not let this corrupt your way. He speaks towards this greediness leads to one's harm. He says, you continue to consume and it leads to your own destruction. You think more, more, more in this destroying relationships, destroying families, destroying reputations, destroying communities. He says, do not let Wealth corrupts your way. If you're striving for wealth, you'll never attain what you think it is. And this is where he's calling our attention to it because our striving is to be after the Lord, his will and his way, not things and stuff. He says we got to be careful. I, I, I'm, I'm even... I'm challenged in here because he, he, he makes this, you know, the kind of this, this concept in verses 13 through 17. It says, uh, I wrote this down. It, I don't know why I wrote this down like this, but I wrote it down like this. It says, greediness leads to one's own harm. It's impermanence and potential to lose can leave one empty-handed and nothing to pass on the offspring. I wrote it. 
In verse 13 to 17, he makes this statement about this sickening tragedy leading to your harm. One thing the Bible speaks about a lot is how when we put our hopes in the wrong things, how they, they, they can let us down and it's constantly calling us to put our hope in the Lord. I've been challenged with this and I think about sometimes you think that if you, if you get this one thing, if, if I get this amount of money, then I've made it, I'm going to be good and the rest of my life going to be taken care of and we forget it can be gone just as quickly as you got it. It even makes this, this, this statement in here, it can be a bad business venture. And all is lost. All is lost. You place your hope in this wealth, you place your hope in this money, and just as quickly as you got it, it can be gone. I got my hope, my striving, my pursuit, everything I do needs to be after the Lord and nothing else. Because no amount of anything else is going to measure up, satisfy, or take care of even my deepest heart's desire. Only the Lord. If you place anything in the place of the Lord, you will find out very quickly how corruptible it can be. Which something else he tells us in here when it talks about God's intention. Um, it's one of the lessons you learn with having children. And I remember, you know, I learned these when I was a kid. But um, let's, let's think about for my adults when you were a child, you know, whether you were a young kid or even a teenager and your parent gave you some money to go into a store and buy something. You ever did that? Anybody ever had to do that? You go in. Now, now not just buy something for you, but you got to buy something for the house. You ever had to do that? You know, I, I remember having to go in and go buy something for the house. But there was change left over. And I bought a bunch of other stuff. I came out and I got in trouble. Why? Because the money that was given was the intention was for the house. Not for this candy and this toy I walked out with. And you're thinking like, man, no big deal. You got money anyway, right? You know, but it was a misunderstanding of the intention, you know, for that. And I thought about that the other day because I was thinking about how in this passage, it speaks directly. Because sometimes we can think about like wealth being, okay, you're just lucky. Or wealth being from the aspect of you just, you just, you just work harder than everybody else. But one of the things that we see over and over in Scripture, and even here in this wisdom literature, it talks about what God gives and, and who he gives. And one of the things I've come to realize is that, like, God decides who he's going to give what to, and he has intention for it. His intention for it, and his intention for it is that we be good stewards with what he gives us. And with that, he actually wants us to enjoy in view of him. The reason oftentimes... When it comes to the issue of corruption with wealth and getting in the way of God's intention is that we have missed the blessor for the blessing. And we place the blessing on the pedestal of the blessor. And so we get confused and we think it's all about the stuff and the stuff and the stuff and not the one who gives graciously. I'm calling this to our attention because I want us to not lose perspective yeah, you may be sitting here and you got, a, you got something in your heart and God's giving you a vision of, of, of doing business and things and it could bring about some wealth. Yet, do not lose sight of God's intention for it. He is to be glorified with it. You ought not to abuse anyone. You definitely shouldn't be lying to get it or stealing to get it. And you know what he says? He says, even to enjoy it is a gift. He says, you know what's sad? You work so hard, you do all this stuff, and you can't even enjoy what God gives you. 
Can't even enjoy it. You're so preoccupied with the getting, 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 the getting that you miss the whole process of even enjoying it. Even with family, even with your loved one, even with your husband, with your wife, with your children. Because your priorities and your perspective has been off. More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first, during this month, you can request your MP3 download of the sermon series, Time for Your Checkup, with your donation to the ministry. This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches us to examine and engage the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. To give, go to daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. I love wisdom literature like this because man, it, it like don't think you gotta grind and grind and grind and grind and hustle and hustle and hustle and work and work and work and then you look back and you spent the last 10 years and you haven't enjoyed anything that God has given you. Even your health has gotten bad. People, like, people bragging about no sleep, no sleep, gotta work. I laugh for him. He said, look, to the worker, he's like, he gives a good rest too. But the one that's consumed with this can't even rest, can't even sleep. And it becomes a detriment. We got folk getting all kind of heart disease and, 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 and all kind of health ailments. Why? Because they don't take care of themselves. Why? Because they're grinding for more and for more and for more and we pay the price for it. It's an issue of even discontentment. We're not content with what God has given us. He's calling us to say, be content with what God has given you. Enjoy what God has given you and view that God is the one that's given it. So we can become arrogant and think, we did it. I did it. Look at how great I am. God can take it just like that. Our perspective matters tremendously. It matters tremendously. Because, you know, he makes this statement as he, as he goes through. I, I'm, I'm always, I don't know how I want to say this. Um, I'm always amazed at human arrogance. And sometimes we don't even realize it's arrogance, but human arrogance from the standpoint of how much we think we control things in life. You know, we... We think we can control. We think I, we make decisions for next week and next year like we fully in control. And this, this passage kind of, it, it kind of got to me. When he tells me, man, who, who knows what's going to come from life? Like, you, you can't just say what's going to happen tomorrow. That's why I like in James, he said, if the, if the Lord wills, right? Like, we can get real holy. We're like, if the Lord wills, I'll see you tomorrow. That's really a humbling statement because we think, like, we think we control every single thing of our lives but if we're actually very mature we realize we don't control half as much as what we think matter of fact we don't really control anything really only our attitude and our effort other than that we don't control anything that's why it's sad when some achieve certain levels of life whether it be money or education or anything and they look down on others when you find out we actually the same we actually hear we're going to die. Matter of fact, you can get every degree and you can die 10 years before the fool that was you were in class with. And I heard a joke. It was, it was so funny, but it was so real. It was a joke by this comedian. He said, yeah, he, he, was, he put out a cigarette and started smoking on stage. And, uh, you know, comedians do that. 
No, artists do that. He put out a cigarette, he's smoking on stage, and he was like, yeah, I thought about quitting. But I had a buddy of mine, they quit. Then he got hit and killed by a tobacco truck. And everybody started laughing. And I was like, that's a cold joke, man. So it's kind of funny, though, if you think about it. Because what, what he was actually painting was the irony. The irony of don't smoke, it's going to be your lung cancer, it's going to kill you. He's like, I'm standing here smoking today. He got hit and killed by a tobacco truck. So tobacco took him out, but not smoking. Uh, like, now that's one of them jokes. be like, hold on, man, that's, that's cold blooded. But it makes you think about ironies in life. Because we think, oh, if I do this, then I can keep from having that. And yet, we can't determine every single point of our life. Now, I'm not advocating you smoking cigarettes. Don't take that. Not advocating you smoking and not advocating you just being unhealthy. Well, mom, you just gave me a pass. gave me a pass. I ain't got to go to the gym no more. And I can eat whatever I want because I can just get hit by a car tomorrow. So I might as well YOLO, eat and do what I want to do. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is we have to be very careful in understanding what we think we can control and the arrogance that can puff up when we start to look down on others because we think, I achieved, I got this degree, I got this house, I got this money, and then you look down on other those like, nah, y'all, y'all ain't on my level. And Because what he's saying, at the end of the day, both of us going to die. And matter of fact, all that stuff you achieved and all that stuff you accumulated, you're going to die just like you came into this world. Naked you came, naked you're going to go. You can't take anything with you. Can't take anything with you. And we've seen even in other passages in Ecclesiastes that we can reach these heights. You know, in, in chapter 2, we looked at it, he says, like, you can work hard, you can build all these things, you can die, and you leave it to a fool that squanders it all. Your name is on it. The business is thriving. You die and go away. Somebody will take a hold of it. It crashes and burns. They sell off the assets. And nobody even remembers it. The next generation, like it never happened. It's a call for us to live wise. To have God's perspective. See, when, when we make false comparisons and, and we use our arrogance to look down on certain things and others. We have to keep a perspective that wherever God has placed me in life, whatever the lot God has given me, whatever the gifts and abilities God has given me, whatever the opportunities God has given me, that is all God. The good, the bad, the ugly, the peaks and the valleys, the highs and the lows, God is in control and he is calling us each of us to respond faithfully to him. He's calling each of us to respond faithfully to him. So when we talk about a wise view of wealth, he wants us to understand like, look, wealth is not the answer. It's not the end all be all. It is not your God. He is our God. He gives to whom he pleases, how he pleases, when he pleases. He wants us to enjoy the life he's given us. And ultimately, he wants us to trust him. He wants us to surrender to him. He wants us to keep everything in view of him. Whether we have or have not, he is our provider. He is our source. And he wants us to enjoy and be consumed by him as we live out this life he's gifted us with. That's his heart. That's what he wants us to do. See, we, we, a few weeks ago, we looked at the passage in 1 Timothy 6.10. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. See, right at the end of this chapter, 
he speaks about, you know, what's been named, what's been known, the characteristics of things. Look, we're not inventing. We're not doing anything new. We're not doing anything new. And he says, and who can contend with one stronger than him? Meaning, God wants us to understand we don't work towards or achieve or attain and all of a sudden we're going to start creating and making the rules like we want them. God is creator. We are not. How are we going to contend with him? We're not changing truth and making up truth. He determines what is true. He determines what is right and wrong. He determines what's true and false. This is why he makes these statements of I love money. He says the root of all kinds of evil. I mean, the love of money is not the greatest evil. He says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It goes back and you're never satisfied. So if you're chasing grinding, if that's what you want, you'd be willing to do anything for it. May we have a proper perspective. May we have a proper view when it comes to wealth, when it comes to resources, when it comes to power, when it comes to leadership. And may we view all under this guise of godliness. See, when we talk about this wise view of money, there's something that's real, real practical that occurs today. And it's, it's actually unfortunate that we have to even have this when it comes to in, in our legal system. And, uh, but because of sin and because of abuse, they, they have this. And, and it's something that a lot, a lot of people don't like to talk about. Uh, but it becomes a reality in certain situations. And uh, th- there's, this, there's this thing uh, when people are going to get married. I saw this. I was watching a show the other day, and they were talking about it. And it got me thinking about it like, man, you know, because of sin, this is what we see. Um, but they were talking about like a, like a prenup or a postnup, meaning, you know, somebody, they're going to get married, and they got a bunch of money already. And they're like, hey, we're going to sign this because... You know, I want you to sign this because you know, I want us to love each other. I want us to be married, but I don't want you marrying me for my money. And then you marry me, you, you hit that deadline, and then you split and you take all my money. You know, and that's, that's you know, the intention was that. Because now, the intention behind was to try to protect assets, but the heart behind it, the heart behind it was like, look, I want you to marry me for me. I want you to love me, not my stuff. Yeah, I got stuff, but I want, I want you to love me. And, you know, because of abuses and, you know, things, you know, people had these arrangements. That arrangement, that, that type of arrangement got me thinking about something. Got really got me thinking about something because one of the unfortunate things when it comes to this, this invitation of, of having this intimate relationship with the Lord, having this intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is that oftentimes this relationship is sold about the stuff. You know, if you come to Jesus, you're gonna, you're gonna, you get, all your bills are going to get paid. And you come to Jesus, you get this stuff. You know, you, you get this, you can, you can do miracles. You come to Jesus and you can, you know, you be able to walk on water. You come to Jesus, you know, you're going to get rid of all your debt. You come to Jesus, you're gonna, that sickness you got, it's going to be gone away. You come to Jesus, you're going to get that promotion. You come to Jesus, your boss is going to like you. You get that Jesus, your business is going to work. Just give your life to Jesus. You like, and then, and then you get you get the you get the you get the wolves. You come to Jesus and you sow this seed of a thousand dollars. You're gonna get a, a thousand fold. And they're like, yeah, Jesus, take this grand. And it's nothing about Jesus, it's about the stuff. I want the blessings, I want the miracles, I want the stuff. Now, when it comes to really being with Jesus, like I don't really want to walk with Jesus and hold his hand. I just want the stuff. And the Lord is like, no, no, no. Come to me for me. Trust me. The Lord is saying, come to me. Trust me. Surrender. 
I love you. I want you to understand my love for you. Come to me. And it's not about the stuff. It's about him. See, when we're offering Jesus, when we're calling people to Christ, it's not about the stuff that he gives. Yeah, he got stuff. He got a bunch of stuff. You'll find out the stuff don't even measure up to him. And this is why these passages exist. Because the writer, Solomon, he doesn't want us to get off kilter. He doesn't want us to get distracted by all these things in this world, all these things in life. He wants our focus on the Lord. And that's why he ends the book. At the very end of the book, we're not even there yet, but at the very end of the book, he says, look, after everything I considered, all the stuff I've done, all the stuff I tried, this is what I learned. Man, just fear God. Obey his commandments. Live for him. That's the answer. The answer to it all. Look, man, just... Just, 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 just walk with the Lord. Go with him. Follow him. Trust him. Everything else, the Lord will take care of you. You chase all this other stuff, you'll find out it's like ashes in your mouth. It will not satisfy. But you trust him. And in him, we have all. All that we could ever imagine and even more. And he's calling us to trust him. Amen. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the current series, Chasing After the Wind, 14 messages that walk you through the entire book of Ecclesiastes, where we learn that true satisfaction is found only in knowing the Lord and enjoying the life He provides. If this ministry has blessed you, we invite you to partner with us today. Please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.